midlife crisis is like a perfect hero's narrative. You meet a character, you fall in love with them, they doubt themselves, they buy a Porsche, they fuck somebody half their age, and then they come out of it with a newfound love of who they were in the beginning, right? But I was 18 when I had my first existential crisis. That's a very different experience. Like, I can't afford a Porsche. They won't let me fuck somebody half my age. I mean, you wouldn't want to if they did, but it's nice to have options, you know? Anthony Gino is a hilariously real stand-up comedian and host of the Highbrow Drivel podcast. And for all you Londoners out there listening, Anthony is putting on a special encore at The Pleasance following a sold-out run at the Edinburgh Fringe. One day you're a student at a protest, and the next you're a 30-something middle manager who still doesn't know what you want to be when you grow up. The Middle Bit is a show about realising you've become an elder millennial. Check out the link in the description below for tickets. So basically, my plan is to try and exhaust you of all great conversation topics in the next one hour to 90 minutes so that I get the best interview for the whole time that you're here. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, I'm going to try and screw over uh, Constantine and uh, <laughs> be fine. <laughs> so uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today, I am here with Adam B. Coleman. Adam, welcome back to the show. Third time lucky. Yes, thank you. First time in person, so welcome to London, man. Yes. Uh, it's my second time in London, and um, now I know people who are here, like yourself, so I'm definitely uh, curious to see what my experience is this time around. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those cities that there's there's so much going on that you kind of have to know people to know what's worth going to find. Mm -hmm. Um, at least that's that's what I find. Like uh, the more people I get to know here now, the more cool stuff that I get to see. But only because like someone heard about it from a friend, and then they tell you, and then yeah, you end up some random place where like an arcade, like an old school arcade game place. Last night it was really cool. Right, right. <laughs> but I would never like I wouldn't even know to search for that. You know, you wouldn't know like where to start with like looking for things until mm -hmm. you yeah have that happen to you. But. So today I, I want to try and avoid uh, the midterms because this probably won't go out until Thursday. Okay. So unless you want to make any wild predictions. I mean, I don't <laughs> my prediction is that there's a red wave coming. That's basically it. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's probably where we're at with it. It's like the, the, the amount of Democrats that I've seen unwilling to debate their opponents mm -hmm. is insane. Yeah. Like, like like, did, did, what on earth is going through their heads, man? Um, well, that's a great question. <laughs> we can go in. We can go in so many different directions. Um, I think a big part of the problem with the Democrats is the level of hubris that they have. Um, they're unwilling to examine what's going wrong, um, and when they're they're hemorrhaging voters, um, there's different states that are showing record record registrations for republicans these people didn't just appear one day some of them are apolitical and now getting active and some of them were former democrats and i think the the democrat party has taken for advantage uh, taken advantage of the independents the people who are in the middle the moderates people like myself um and that's why i decided to leave because there's just so many things that have become so progressive that they are basically deteriorating the party and it's not a liberal party anymore 
um, socially, I would say. Socially, it's not a liberal party. Uh, politically, depends on what level you look at it. You know, everybody always talks from the federal level. The federal level, much of the establishment politics. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen other other than a red wave is coming. Mm. But will the will the Democrats do anything to change course afterwards? No. <laughs> you don't think so? Like you don't think that there's like Democrat democratic strategists and know people who are maybe like a little bit more old school, like Bill mm -hmm. Maher, people like people of that generation of that kind of sensibility, like classical liberals, who will see what happens after yeah next week and just go, holy shit, we're fucked. Like we need to do something. Or do you think they'll just double down on this? Like oh well. They're all just racists and bigots, and therefore uh, they are wrong and we are not. You know, I wonder, and I'm not on uh, Capitol Hill, but I wonder if their strategists are younger. Because, like, I'm, for example, the Biden administration, they are going after TikTokers. You know, they're, they're doing, like, these weird things. He sat down with uh, a, a quote-unquote trans activist and announce in the public that he's for child mutilation like and i'm just like well that's uh, the nail in the coffin for the democrats because that's not a popular position whatsoever like it sounds good in a progressive bubble around uh, the the washington uh, progressives and and your staffers who are just coming out of college and they all have this mindset that oh yeah let's affirm them by cutting them open but for everyday people, the working class, the people who don't live within Manhattan or DC or even uh, Los Angeles, they don't think this way. It is an unpopular view. And uh, I, I wrote my article talking about this. This is part of the reason why, because I used to think that we had shared values as like baseline things mm. that we said, hey, we don't cross this line. Like, hey, we don't sexualize kids, right? That shouldn't even be a political, you know, position. <laughs> you shouldn't really be a debate about that. Right. It's, com it's common sense. Hence, we didn't even talk about it because it wasn't a thing to mm. talk about. Now we're at a point where we have to say, I'm with the party that is against child mutilation. I'm with the party that's against sexualizing children, right? I'm, a I'm with that party. You know, damn everything else to me, because without our families, we have no society. And, and if our children are being uh, sought after by perverts and our politicians do nothing to protect them. And then meanwhile, I'm looking at Florida and Ron DeSantis is putting through legislation to say we need to review these books. Right. Not saying you can't have any books, not saying you can't talk about race, not saying any of that stuff. It says we need to have a book review process mm. where people are getting involved. Uh, there was a situation in Dearborn, Michi Michigan, where they, those books were found in the library. The parents freaked out. The board said, OK, we'll set up a, a review mm. where the parents get to say, hey, these books, they're not appropriate. And let's say. The school board says, oh, we, there's some books that fell through the cracks. Okay, let's say they're telling the truth. Well, now that they have this process to prevent it from happening again in the future. So at least the parents know what's going on. And overwhelmingly, 
by the show of how many parents that came up and i would add mostly men who showed up in dearborn michigan it is not a popular thing to do so i'm just looking at all these different things and i'm like why would i continue to support this party that can't even get the basic right like the ba the most basic of basic things you do not harm ch children right you do not say that children have autonomy to do anything and everything that they want for example you, you don't get to leverage the court system against the parents for not affirming their kids based off of what they claim they feel yeah like that doesn't make any sense that seems highly illogical and it seems wrong and i'm not saying that the democrats are behind this but this is where our society is going the, the democrat party is supporting this idea yeah you know well, well, whether they're the ones driving it or whether they're the ones sort of just backing it up they're still the ones saying like we are fine with this we're fine with this and that's disturbing to like an unbelievable amount of people right but like this is what I don't get. Like, do they not understand that? Like, are they so trapped in that bubble that they just don't get that? And like, cause I see it here sometimes as well. Mm -hmm. Like I was, what I was reading this thread last night about, um, there was a, a video of the current leader of the opposition, um, here, uh, Keir Starmer. And he was, it was someone asking him about like, whether I think it was, whether he believes that kids should have the, like under 18 should have the right to like, make those decisions about like hormone replacement therapy or like surgery and he was like well you know i don't think so like and i think the video was a little bit old and there was people being like oh my god this guy is awful and i was just like do you hear yourself mm -hmm. like i i don't and people just just have seemed to have gone completely insane <laughs> <laughs> you know what it is because they've separated the way i kind of see it is they separate someone who may be trans or going through something whether it's trans or not they're going through something as a child and they feel that in order to feel better the narrative is that in order to feel better you must do these things they they see well they need to get better and they ignore that they're still a child right so we're not having a discussion about a 25 year old who wants to get a sex change no I, live your life do whatever you want right i hope it works out for you we're talking about 15 year olds mm. 13 year olds younger who are getting put on puberty blockers right irreversible mm. can't have orgasms in the future as adults they can't uh really? is that a thing yes oh yes that that is oh a thing God. <laughs> kids don't do it <laughs> <laughs> right it, imagine that cause the one thing that we all can do that can make us a little bit feel a little bit better even if our lives are shitty mm. like they can't have orgasms, right? They can't reproduce. You know, you go down the list. Mm. Um, increasing cancer. Really? Yeah. All these different things that come from trying to transition them mm. at a younger age, or just going through transition in general, but especially at a younger age. All these things that are irreversible. And we have a political party that is fully supporting it. And, and for me, it's like, if I understand that gender dysphoria is a, is a thing, mm -hmm. I, I have a friend, um, it's who, been around for a long time, right? I have a friend, I'll, I'll use her as an example who writes for me. 
she was dysphoric when she was younger but her mom just said she she was like you're beautiful in your own skin she was going through a phase where hormones are changing and she was just trying to get comfortable in her own skin imagine one day you have breasts and you don't feel correct mm. and then yeah over in the next year or so she felt good you know because she grew into it and she even wrote about how i'm glad this stuff wasn't around when i was a, a teenager because people would be telling me you need to transition because i don't feel fully comfortable in my body and it's just like adding you know uh fuel to the flames and it just makes it worse and it's not extinguishing that feeling it's it's amplifying it mm. and like the, the the bit that really gets me right is it's like they're making this their main platform issue. Like this is this is this like like because I've seen it happen right where in in politics the uh, the the former like conservative party like election strategist. I mean I'm sure he'll come back at some point. This guy called L Linton Crosby, right? Mm -hmm. He's famous for this strategy called the dead the dead cat strategy, right? And it's it's about basically trying to find like a wedge issue. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you throw a dead cat on the table, people won't talk about anything else. Right, right, right. And it's like they've decided that this is their dead cat. This is their wedge issue, right? Except normally what the, the dead cat wedge issue is meant to do is really like, it's like, right, okay, we can win over 51% of the people on this issue. And this is what we're going to make everything about, right? Except they've chosen this. And, and like it used to be like in, in the Brexit debate, a lot of people think it was like immigration, right? Mm -hmm. and, and they seem to have decided that their dead cat is is like giving puberty blockers to kids <laughs> uh, it's like like have you done the polling have you figured out that this is like that 50 percent of the country is behind you because like i don't believe that that's the case and well and we're witnessing the polls that are happening like the the republicans even like and the gerrymandering in in some of the, the parts of america right means mm -hmm. that there's some really really strongly um republican areas that would maybe be majority that would maybe have a majority of democrats in the state for mm -hmm. example but would end up going republican because of the way the districts are like arranged they and normally that would mean that the democrats were polling like five to six points ahead but it would come out like a dead heat mm -hmm. now the republicans are like five to ten points ahead in a lot of these places mm -hmm. like the democrats are going to get blown away and then like in the midst of this cost of living like fucking problem the inflation caused arguably by the the policies of the democrats but you can go back 40 years of the the roots of that mm -hmm. and like they there's there's the war in ukraine there's people like struggling to feed their families and they've chosen puberty blockers for kids <laughs> as the issue of the day yeah and see <laughs> this all right so there's there's two problems the uh the one problem is they've gone all in on social progressivism all social progressive issues and solutions right so racism okay here's how we talk about it so for example you'll notice that joe biden of all people by the way joe biden every situation that he talks about um he likes to add the line at the end especially people of color for every problem, it is bad, but especially for people of color. He, he does this specifically. He never talked like that before. Mm. Never. 
But he has staffers who are in his ear and say, make sure you mention people of color, right? You, you have all these different things that are happening within the Democrat Party, and they're listening to these socially progressive idiots, right? To, to tell them, oh, this is the new trendy thing. And you say this thing and no one likes it. No one likes it. No one talks like that. And that's why I feel like you go outside and you talk to people. No one talks like this. That's why I look at Twitter and I laugh because no one acts like you. No, like I, the people, thankfully, the people who follow me, you know, genuinely are normal people, right? They're, they're middle-class normal people. Why? Because I'm relatively middle-class and I'm normal, right? I'm not hyperbolic. These progressives who just scour the internet, mm. they are so loud and people listen to Twitter, when people in media listen to Twitter, and then the media pundits listen to Twitter, like, and whatever Twitter says, this is what's happening. And, and they just, the politicians listen to the media, and then they say, oh, we need to hire younger staffers, so they're hip to the game, what's going on? I know what we do, let's bring some TikTokers in. Like, it they, does sound insane when you say <laughs> <laughs> You know, it just sounds so, it sounds so idiotic and ridiculous, in a time where uh, we may run out of diesel in the Northeast, the place where I live, uh, in a matter of a month. Yeah, what they say, 21, 21, 25 days, something like that, but yeah. We're depleting our, our uh, oil supplies. That was already an issue before. Mm. You know, so we, we have all these different things. Like you said, we have the war in Ukraine. We have economic issues. We have real problems, right? On top of that, we have the sexualization of kids within our schools that's being perpetrated by one particular group. You have all these things, and yet they're using these issues. Like you said, it's supposed to be like the dig cat issues, mm. but now they're just using it as like a distraction. Mm. You know, it's- it's. But it's like the worst distraction ever. It, it, yeah. It's like, right, what, they, what they're doing is they've, they've, like, they've seen this fire in like a shed mm -hmm. on a street, and they've gone, shit, shit, they're gonna blame us for this fire. Right, <laughs> hang on, let's set this house on fire. Right. Like, <laughs> it's like they're causing bigger they're 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 causing themselves to just be completely repulsive to anyone with any sort of sense like i was talking about this the other day it's like you see in 2016 mm -hmm. like i was a like a big bernie sanders fan i would have happily voted for hillary clinton and i have gone from that to thinking holy shit these people are completely insane and may never deserve my vote ever again mm-hmm like and and on like the the left in America and the left in the UK, yeah. it's not a US like yeah specific issue, but they've become so insane that <laughs> I I can't bring myself to vote for them because it's not like they're like really extreme but are willing to entertain other ideas. It's like they're just this is the way, and if you don't agree with us, you're a bigot and a racist. Right? I'm like what on earth, man? Well, that's uh, so. The second part is they're elitists. Mm. You know, almost every article I when I talk about the Democrats, I, I talk about these people are elitists. And when you're an elitist, you don't think you, what you're doing is wrong. Mm. And it's just like it's the blind leading the blind, but they think they can see. Like they're they're so caught up in in themselves. They have so much hubris. And and like for example, uh, I know it's a TV show, but this is a somewhat popular TV show that's been on forever. And they talk about politics, The View. Hmm. And I, I, I used to watch The View uh, off and on years ago. They never sounded like this. Hmm. And granted, 
they're wealthy. Ed Roseanne on the on the panel though then, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, listen, they they had their biases. I, I'm not saying that they didn't, mm. but they didn't sound like this, right? The complete denial that there are issues. The other day they said, "There's no crime rise." Oh yeah, I saw this. And I'm just like any person with eyes in your own where they film in that city. There is a crime issue. <laughs> they're letting people out without bail. Like it's it's absolutely crazy. They literally live in their own bubble, mm. and they think that everything that they're doing is right. You know, they they look at. My favorite is when they're trying to turn DeSantis into be, into being Trump, right? And they call him Death Santis. Meanwhile, they call him what? Death Santis. Death Santis. <laughs> because of, because of the pandemic, because he was he wa- he didn't want to stay locked down forever. Mm. He didn't see any use in that state thing. that has less deaths than than New York, the place <laughs> they're in. Yeah, mm. that's the thing about it. Like, they- it, that's that's they're in their own bubble. These are the same people who called themselves Cuomosexuals, right? Who loved Andrew Cuomo. Meanwhile, the guy is sending uh, COVID patients into nursing, nursing homes, and tens of thousands of people died. Actually, they don't even know how many people died. Mm. It, it's a scandal that they over their head. They're never wrong, and they see whatever they want to see. Mm. And and what's happening is, it's like lifting the veil. Like maybe they were hiding it all this time and I just wasn't seeing it, but they're showing themselves really, really easy. And I, I almost feel like since Trump, they just went full force. They show themselves. And so now as, as an average American, I'm looking like, whoa, like this is scary that these people, this is how they look at the world. You know, Sonny, Sonny Huston is like, despicable as how she portrays everything in her lens of everything in the world and she's speaking to a million plus people a day and she's feeding them this nonsense mm. and i'm just like this is poison this yeah. is poison within our society but that's not the dangerous misinformation <laughs> no of that's the isn't. narrative of course it isn't like yeah so yeah speaking of dangerous misinformation and the narrative what do you make of Elon buying Twitter? Uh, I think it's a good step in the right direction. Um, for example, I think Twitter, obviously Twitter was biased. I know, yeah. I know someone. Um, Not just biased. Can we say this for a second? Not just biased. We're openly colluding yeah. with the Department of Homeland <laughs> Security for years yeah. on on disinformation basically what the government considered to be not the truth right? right that for all of the fucking idiots that were declaring bolsonaro's fucking loss in the the presidential election i don't know enough about brazilian politics to tell you what the better option was right but all the people were like this is a victory against fascism and authoritarianism while in their own fucking country we are literally seeing the absolute definition of fascism like this fusion of state and corporate interests in order to control like the what they believe as the truth mm-hmm. like it's literally the the most 1984 thing <laughs> that you can no i literally couldn't write a more 1984 thing and it's literally happening in front of their fucking eyes and they they don't see it they or they just willfully won't see it or they say well it's not the same right they they are so partisan that they're unwilling to see that something is wrong here. Um, 
And you know what, actually, this brings me to the, the amnesty conversation mm. uh, stemming from the article in the Atlantic. And my view on it is fuck your amnesty because you're the same people who tried to censor us, same people who tried to ban us, same people called us uh, paranoid, white supremacists, uh, you name it. They called granny killers, granny killers, yeah. right? They did all these different things. And for me, it's somewhat personal because they're the same people who had the death clock on CNN, right? To scare people to getting the vaccine, to get the booster. Mm. Are you going to need another booster? Mm. And then someone close to me got their second booster two weeks later, died fighting a blood clot near their heart. And I, I tweeted that out uh, the other day and story after story after story of people who lost loved ones, just, I don't know, coincidentally, mm. a week or so after yeah. people who got the vaccine, all of a sudden, I, I, I read one, by coincidence, the, their mother got a, a mammogram, no cancer, got oh. the vaccine, two weeks later, stage three cancer. Now. Could it be a coincidence? Mm. Possibly. But let me tell you, I'm, I'm hearing stories of, of cancer diagnosis right right when this is happening. Blood clots. Mm. We already, we now blood know. Blood clots, I know for a fact. Because my mom, literally, this is literally her fucking job. She, yeah, she works with, yeah. Yeah. DVTs and that, and that. And she said, like, she, there was like, they're still getting big upticks. Like, it's. And they did, they saw them like, and, and they did see them during COVID as well. Mm -hmm. And like, for me, it seems like the thing is the spike protein, but then we go and give people massive uncontrolled doses of it in their body. doesn't seem like it's a good idea. And then there was doctors who were being banned from Twitter for saying, I think you're going to see an uptick in autoimmune disorders, lots of respiratory viruses. People are going to like be immunodeficient. You're going to see uptick in cancers. And like, there was doctors saying this and being told they were insane. Right. Is there a correlation? Don't know. Causation? Don't know. Does it look like the thing that they predicted has come to pass? Mm -hmm. Like maybe you should give some credence to what they were saying 18 months ago. But the, the amnesty thing, I kind of disagree. I would be fine with an amnesty if they all put their hands up and apologized. That's the only, okay. That's, that's where I would say, okay, because I am a Christian and I do think, uh, People should be allowed to apologize. I don't think that's why I'm not for cancel culture, but to go from you guys are these crazy right wing bigots <laughs> who just want granny to die to, Hey, we could, we just got caught up in the moment. How about amnesty? No, fuck your amnesty because there was no apology. There was, there's no, um, there's no even wide acknowledgement, right? So you can't apologize for something you haven't acknowledged. There is not a, even a wide acknowledgement. Like there's, bit, you know, little bits and pieces. It was like, all right, well, I guess the vaccine didn't stop the spread. Yeah. That's as much as I've seen. <laughs> I, we haven't seen much of anything after well, that. Yeah, but they're trying to wreck on it as well. Be like, no, no, we never said that. Yeah. <laughs> we never, I don't, we never said that. That's what I'm saying. Fuck your amnesty because they can't even come to the point of saying, you know what? We were wrong. Mm. Yeah. We were wrong. Sorry about that. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and we shouldn't do this again. If there's another quote unquote COVID mm. with the same amount of 
99% death rate. Uh, I'm sorry, no, no, it's, survival, death rate. Yeah. <laughs> survival rate. Um, that comes along, lockdowns do not work, and forcing people to get a vaccine for something that they have a higher chance of surviving, more so than the vaccine that they're taking. Like, I, I don't think that's a good idea. And maybe we should be careful about that. Maybe we should give people the option to do so. Mm. Um, and we haven't even talked about the women who's lost children. Yeah, that is the, honestly, that's the most tragic one for me. Because it's it wasn't just like a, like the, we don't, we, we tell pregnant women not to have coffee. <laughs> yeah. Right? But that untested thing was fine. And then like anyone that made comments about like, oh, it's like affecting my period or uh, any any sort of like side effect claimed from from a result of it, then they were like, oh, no, it's not happening. No, 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 what are you talking about? Take it. Go on, please take it. Please take it. Carrie Johnson, the wife of the then prime minister, begging women to get it. Mm. Like, do you think they feel any remorse? Because like you could have said, they could have just said, you know what? You know, maybe on balance, it's better to get it, but it's your, you know, it's your decision. You've got a child inside you, like look after yourself and make the choice for yourself. Talk to your doctor, whatever. They didn't say that. They went, get it. Yeah. Get it. it was almost like they were getting a bonus from pharma, big pharma. Well, we, you know, have, we haven't seen those contracts yet. No, we haven't. <laughs> have you seen the EU contract? The one that was given out? No. Yeah, this is amazing. Um, I'll put the video in the description below. It's a it's a Romanian member of European Parliament, and he's just like furious at the Pfizer CEO when or one of the executives when they come in. He's just he pulls out page after page of what they were given. It's just black. It's redacted, redacted, oh, redacted, that's right. redacted. <laughs> and it's just like seriously transparency. That's transparency. Like, like what? What? I would love to fucking know what's in those fucking contracts. Because I think that would make everything very clear as to why people acted the way they did. Mm -hmm. Or at least the politicians, the figures in the media have absolutely no fucking excuse. But at least the politicians could be claimed to have been legally bound to say something. Yeah. You know, that was what's interesting. When Trump was pushing for the vaccine in the very beginning, um, and I found out that you can't sue them. Oh, because it's an emergency. Mm -hmm. So you can't sue them. I was like, this is not going to be good. I knew from the very beginning, you give big pharma all the leeway. Oh, yeah, we're going to rush this through. And just like they said, oh, we just did things at the speed of science. Mm. Oh, what does that oh, mean? God, I wanted to shoot them when they said that. <laughs> not advocating for violence, metaphorically. But, but. but speed of science means speed of profits. They were doing everything possible to push that product out and keep that product going. Efficacy rates, shit. We got a booster though we, we you know we, we still pumping out that product why because we got millions upon no not even billions upon billions of dollars being funneled through the federal government in our country to support big pharma record profits record profits why for uh if we were to now we're here we're what two plus years since the since the initial lockdown Three years since Wuhan should have been locked down. Oh, there you go. <laughs> this is like everyone gets mad at their government, right? I've seen I see people being like, "Oh, why are the government mad about refugees in Britain? Because um, the Tories have killed more people than the refugees ever have, right?" And they point to like the the number of COVID deaths in the UK, and I mean they don't never acknowledge the fact that you can't really show which ones were COVID deaths and which weren't, and just died with COVID. But yeah. anyway. 
the, no, everyone's ready to blame their government for not locking down fast enough. Nobody. Like, and China went in to the Wuhan Institute of Virology in September 2019. September, six months before the lockdowns really hit like Western Europe and the developed world in earnest. And they went in, they fucking destroyed shit ton of documents, they cleared the place out like they knew then. And not a single person is mad about that. Not one. You see if China locked fucking Wuhan down at that stage, we're mm -hmm. fine. We wouldn't we wouldn't have had it. We would have been sweet. No, they tried to cover it up. Yeah. And no one is mad at them. Not no. a single person. Like they're mad because like someone didn't believe that like a lockdown was a good idea. They said there would be worse consequences from it. I think they've been kind of proving to be very, very correct there. But they don't get mad at fucking China for not <laughs> doing anything about it. Like I it's it's like I don't understand any of these people's logic anymore. Well, China's a whole different topic because you're not allowed to hold China accountable for anything. No. You're not allowed to criticize them. Uh, look at them. They're just the model of whatever, you know. Um, I find China to be far more of a threat than Russia ever was. Um, you know, I understand Russia is invading Ukraine right now. So someone would be like, well, look what they're doing now. But let's say before that war, Russia wasn't our main adversary. China was. China has the long game about everything. I'll give them props for that. We're, uh, we as in the United States, we're very capitalistic um, and we have a lot of corporations and corporations look at quarters and then this quarter, then the third quarter and the fourth quarter. So for them, everything is short term. China, they have a pseudo capitalist society, very pseudo. I mean, it's a communist society, but they have like drips and drabs that makes you think it's capitalism. But they control everything. And so because they control everything, they can basically have the long game with everything, right? They don't have to worry about a, an election every four years. They don't have to worry about changing this and changing that. It's like, we want to get into this industry. We're going to pump money only into this industry until we're number one in that industry. Mm. And we're going to do that by taking your country's money and your country's intellectual property. They literally hack the United States corporations from a nine, like a nine to five job. Like that is their job. I remember watching this one, one piece that says, we can literally track um, basically nine o'clock, activity goes up, 5 p.m., activity goes down, <laughs> right? They, they see that. They're constantly trying to hack, constantly trying to steal intellectual property, and when they're not doing that, we have idiot corporations that send their intellectual property over there. So Boeing is like, we need planes, uh, you know, manufactured at a cheap rate. Five years later, hey, that plane looks very similar, <laughs> very familiar. Like, how did that happen? Oh, because China takes your stuff. You can't mm. sue them. You're going to sue China? Mm. You know, even with how they do investments, you're not allowed to take money out. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, they're, they're, I don't understand how China don't get pulled by the World Trade, a World Trade Organization for state aid. Well, because like, that's technically meant to be against World Trade Organization rules. Like, you're not meant to be able to like provide like artificial support to an industry 
without like some sort of agreement from the rest of all the, ever, all the other countries in the World Trade Organization. And yet that's literally China's entire economy. Yeah. I, I, that, no, I've never, maybe I'm being really ignorant about how, how that's meant to work. But. Well, what's the repercussion? <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't be able to trade with China. <laughs> right. And, that, and that's, that's, the, that's the crazy part about it, is China knows they can do whatever they want. Because, for example, we were talking about the pandemic and getting uh, medical supplies. China, for the United States, China makes most of America's medical supplies. So we're going to like F China and completely cut them off. Well, guess what? They got us by the balls for quite a, quite a while, unless we can quickly pop up whatever we need to pop up. But that's not that's not something you do overnight. Same thing with all different types of other industries. Um, and we're, we're not even getting into minerals and all this other stuff that, that they're in control of. So, yeah, World Trade Organization is going to be like, you guys aren't doing this right. But but you know what? The same thing goes for America. The United States does a lot of stuff that they're not supposed to do. Oh, yeah, probably. And then and, and people are like, well. <laughs> well. Yeah, like invade Iraq. Yeah, I was about to say, oh, we invade countries all the time. And Libya, like, Somalia. You know, you know you're bombing Somalia right now? Oh, yeah. Like, the fuck's that about? Like, what are they? What are the pirates? Like, the... <laughs> you know, they're, they're the captain now. So, I don't know. I don't know. That's, well, that's a whole other thing. Uh, you know, I will say this, because I don't want to go all into Ukraine, but I will say the measurement of invasion must being the end all be all to support something man i wish people had that same feeling when we invaded iraq uh invaded afghanistan when we kicked up escalations with our nobel peace prize winning president <laughs> the one that ran out of bombs right the one that ran out of bombs who went from two conflicts to i think it was six conflicts around the world during his eight years of presidency um who won a nobel peace prize to bring up again i wish people had that same standard for the united states so so they can hold us more accountable so we stop being the world invader like we always say we're the world's police but that's kind of true but we're the world's invaders mm -hmm. and we like to say that we're peacekeeping and but how are you peacekeeping when you're stealing resources yeah. why do people think that russia was in syria why because they were fighting to make sure that there wasn't a pipeline coming through to their main customer in the in Europe. That's what that whole thing was about. It was about sowing some sort of discord within Syria. That's why they kept saying, you want to take out Assad, hmm. right? They didn't have the political power to go in and try to fully invade Syria because it was not going to be a good plan hmm. to do that. So what did they do? They funded the same freedom fighters yeah, that fake, they would <laughs> depict the chemical weapons attacks right right they they, they basically which we then which the uk then took as a, a reason to theoretically illegally bomb syria <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and our, our prime minister's husband at the time oh investment company owned shares in lockheed martin who supplied the bombs yes yes it's a fucking dirty world <laughs> but yeah, we'll not we'll not get too too deep into Ukraine. Just to say that, like, I got accused of 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 denying the Ukrainian genocide in the YouTube comment section, and I was like, I don't think it's a genocide. Surely that's like attempting to 
eradicate an entire people and i don't think that what that's what they're trying to do here but no. let me just say for the for the the sake of it is like that was wrong to invade ukraine like <laughs> anyone that's listening i don't like any war <laughs> i don't think that we were innocent in not provoking the 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 reaction but like it's wrong for them to invade it yeah um but yeah let's talk a bit about uh your like one of the topics that you you speak a lot about is like uh the nuclear family or like the 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 need for the nuclear family mm -hmm. or a family around people like what is it that makes you look at the world and say like this is one of the biggest issues um it's funny because uh, one day i was thinking like how ibram x kendi says that basically like um it's not a matter of if there's racism but where there's racism so i'm always like it's not a matter of where the nuclear family fails it affects our society but it's like it's like how how it fails and how it's affecting our society so i i believe that most of the the social ills that we're we're discussing uh when we were talking about children who are experiencing some sort of trauma uh dysphoric there are links to where the, you know their household mm. um not saying that I'm a child of a single parent. So I think sometimes what happens is people say, well, you turned out fine. Mm -hmm. Or they say, well, I know this guy, he's a doctor and he's happy. He's a... I, I, I try to explain it like if you smoke cigarettes, it's not a guarantee that you'll get cancer. Mm. But smoking cigarettes increases your, your chances of getting cancer. So growing up in a single parent home doesn't mean that you'll go to jail. Mm. doesn't mean that you're like you're going to kill yourself but growing up in a single parent home increases the likeliness of those things to happen it increases the likeliness that you get involved in crime that you get involved in drugs that it, the it's such a long list mm. that it's so absurd that sometimes we have to debate it like i and i know we can play with numbers and stuff like that but man, if, if I can show you a correlation between a particular life lifestyle and family upbringing and negative life results on a consistent basis over and over and over, you have to say at some point, okay, maybe there's something there. Maybe there's something there. So, you know, the nuclear family increases the odds that you will have a happy and successful life. It, and then it increases the odds that you will repeat that behavior. You know, one of the things that we don't talk about is when you do grow up in a single parent home and you turn out to be okay, that is a normalized environment for you. And sometimes actually, even if you don't turn out to be fine, that is a normalized environment for you. That's, that's your lens of how you see the world. So if you're a young woman, you grow up in that environment and there's no man in the house, right? So that means that there's no male authority figure. So you also have the first and most important man that you're supposed to depend on, you couldn't depend on, so he wasn't there. Mm. So now, how do you move about in, in life from there? Probably resentful of men. Probably don't expect much from men. Probably waiting for that man to let you down, mm. which is why you feel like, I have to do for myself in case. Right? It is always that fear leading into relationships with other men. It is always that disrespect when it comes to male authority figures, right? 
I, and I see it over and over. At what, what level is, is a different story. And the same goes for men. You know, when you grow up in that household and you're surrounded by a female authority figure and there's no male authority figure, that is especially dangerous for men because I try to explain to people, as a boy, you are, you are energy, right? You're full of energy. Mm. And part of your upbringing is to teach you how to moderate your emotions. Yeah. Because if you don't, you can hurt people. Even if you're not trying, you can hurt people. That is why rough and tumble play is something that kids should experience because it teaches them boundaries. The people who hurt other people, the people who would shoot into a crowd, the people who would do all types of insane activities don't respect people's boundaries. They don't even respect their own boundaries. They have no control over their emotions and they're willing to go from zero to a hundred just like that because they never learned how to control that. So when you, it's, it's interesting when I hear people say, I'm a hothead, right? And then you look at how they grew up. Calm, <laughs> oh, no, not me. I'm just saying. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. okay. Just like someone was like, I'm a hothead. Um, but you look at how they grew up and you're like, oh, I get it. Like no one was there to teach you how to moderate your emotions or to say, hey, you've gone too far. You need to chill out. There's a reason why my son is super calm. Maybe part of it is genetics, but like when he would get excited, a little bit too excited, I was there to be like, no. And he's like that today. He's not too high. He's not too low. He's very even. And, and that is where I think a lot of men should be, right? Because if they're too wild, mm. they're dangerous. Mm. And if they're, if they're too wild, they hurt people. They can hurt people emotionally. They can hurt people verbally. Mm. Like they have to have some control over their emotions. So, I mean, there's, yeah. We can go in all different directions as far as why a male father figure within the house um, is important. One last thing I will say, and I'm trying to talk about it more, the statistics around having a non-custodial uh, non figure living in the house or being exposed to children within the house. So let's say a stepfather mm -hmm. coming into the, into the house and likeliness of that child experiencing sexual abuse or physical abuse is tremendously high. That's so, like what? That's a, like in something you kind of hear about, but like what the fuck is going on there? Well, the way I try to explain it is sexual predators will go where there's children. And so when we have a society filled with single women, and those single women obviously want to have relationships. So that means that they have to find the guy who's willing to accept them with their children. And there's going to be predators in there. And I'll say this, I was doing a podcast. It was like three guys um, who were part of it. And I was explaining this very thing of what will happen. And after I was done explaining it, the one guy said, yeah, you basically explained my childhood. Cause that's what happened to me. He was molested by a stepfather wow. and, it, and it was like to the T of how I was explaining it. I was like, this is the reality of things. Single parenthood is a vulnerability for children in all different types of ways, but even sexually, mm. right? 
where predators will find single women and go after the kids and then get the mothers emotionally involved. And there are times when the mothers pick the man over the kids. So it's, it's a terrible situation. Yeah. Wow. It's like, you know, the, the, my, so I'm also a child of divorce. Um, was like 13 through 16 Mm -hmm. when the divorce was going on. And my best friend used to say to me, like, you really lacked, like, maybe, like, half your problem is, like, you lacked a male authority figure in your life. Or you lacked, like, a, a like a masculine authority figure to, like, teach you, like, mm-hmm. about life, basically. I used to just be like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? Like, mm-hmm. why why do you need that in, in, in your life? And then the more that, I begin to understand like what that means, like what kids get from that. Mm-hmm. And the more I figure out the stuff that I wasn't taught essentially and the stuff that I've had to figure out for myself since then and had like other people like, you know, help me along the way, like books I've read, like things I've seen, like, like, like Jordan Peterson was probably the first step along that for me. It was someone like, ter- like who really like lays it out there in like a very unequivocal manner yeah. as to like why, you need like uh to especially as a man to learn like it's like because it's like you're a monster like become that monster and then learn to tame it yeah you know that's that, that's basically like what you were saying there about about men not needing to be too wild it's like the capability for that wildness can be there but you have to have the self-discipline to tame that and to be able to like temper that energy into like either productive things or to know when to unleash it essentially and so i just i i the more that i think about it the more i'm like wow like it's it's so crucial and like i want to talk about about kanye actually um a little bit but like uh, the the thing that he said that like i haven't still haven't figured out what the fuck he was talking about it with the Jewish media like I don't get it like he never explained because like I understand him saying the media there's the media there that like are in trying to control what people say and do and like there's a a class of people who are like have blackmail on people and it's like do you know what you see if he hadn't said the word Jewish I'm on board 100% I think that's definitely happening I didn't get why he had to make it about race I don't understand what that was about seems completely bonkers to me but Mm -hmm. in the interview he did with lex friedman which is fascinating for anyone to go and watch um he was talking about like the the single motherhood rate in the black community is 75 percent, and people wonder why they've been throwing in money at like places like baltimore and like there's definitely like deprived parts of london that have the same issues maybe Mm -hmm. not to quite the same extent but they've been like throwing money at these places for decades and nothing gets better He's like, it's because they locked up all the fathers and they've just caused this like state where they're, all the kids growing up have no positive male influence. And then it's like a self-perpetuating cycle. Then they get in the same trouble. They end up in prison. They or like going off or just, you know, not being the men that they could be. And that it's just this self-perpetuating thing. It's like, it's it, do, do, do you think that's like, so I, I obviously don't have statistics on this, but I, I tend to push back on that a little bit. Okay. So I don't think he's wrong. 
but I don't think that's everything. Okay. Obviously, let's say in Baltimore, um, 60% of the households have no father in them. Let's just, we'll just use that as a random number in Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if the 75% figure is accurate. I, I, well, I think that's nationwide. I think it's somewhere between, I've heard 65, I've heard 70. I think it depends what year. But let's just, we'll use a random number, more than half. And it's not just like, it's not just like a problem that's in the black community either. Like this is definitely a thing across, like, just I think he focuses on that just because obviously he feels like he's fighting for his people. Yeah, I understand that. Um, but we'll, we'll use Baltimore as like an example. So let's say 60%. Would we say that 60% of them went to jail? No. That seems like a ridiculously high number, especially for a large metropolitan city. Would you say 40%, 30%, 20%? Those seem like really high numbers for a city that has millions of people, right? Um, same thing with New York City and all these other places. So I know we have a lot of people in prison, but I will say that the majority of people in prison aren't black. And I it's disproportionately high, but the majority aren't black. The majority are white. Why? Because it's a majority white society. That's the thing that makes the most sense. So, you know, the idea that, oh, well, uh, you know, these crack laws came and they just started locking up men and the fathers were put into jail. Yeah. I mean, that's partially true. That's going to be true for anybody. Any, any guy who's a father who's breaking the law gets caught, gets put in jail. He's no longer in the home. doesn't matter what he looks like. But to insinuate that that many men, that many black men were involved in illegal activities to be put into jail. And that's why nationwide 70% have no father to me is absurd. Mm. Same thing with the, the narrative of the, the government came in and gave welfare. That's true. Like I've talked to people, I've talked to, that's one of the things about talking about this. You get older people who are like, yeah, I was back there in the seventies and the eighties. They really did that. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I believe you, but that's not everything. Right? So yes, that happened. What, what I think and what makes the most sense to me is that those things happen on some scale, but then culture changes. And we normalize things that happen within any culture. So the, the vision of men being important when the government comes in, they don't have to come into every black household. All they have to do is have a culture that normalizes it. That says, well, my mom was able to make it without my father. Mm. And then that's, that's literally it. And then we just repeat the, the things that we grow up with. And some people deviate from it, but a lot of people don't because we normalize what we went through as children. Um, I, I remember once hearing someone say that, uh, you know, talking about relationships, you love the thing that you hate, you know, uh, and that's why like children who are abused mm. will date an abuser, mm. right? It, it's, it's a weird kind of dynamic, but you end up normalizing things. You feel that this is how it always is you know men aren't there men are abusive men aren't trustworthy men are this and so yeah you grow up in that environment and that becomes part of the culture um and so that's why i i'm always re referencing culture 
and not so much the government's involvement and all this other mm -hmm. stuff. The government can try to do certain things. I always go back to Jim Crow laws, despite obviously divisive laws mm -hmm. where they were trying to oppress one particular side. I would argue and say it was oppressive to both sides to separate a society, right? Uh, Coloreds against whites. Mm -hmm. I think that's oppressive to everybody, but obviously it was targeted towards towards uh, black people. Mm -hmm. Yet the families were intact. Yet there were definitely moments where black people were succeeding, even though they were separated in society. Mm -hmm. You know, so you can bring up Harlem, Harlem Renaissance. You can bring up all these different areas. Um, uh, was it the Black Wall Street? You can you can go on, despite the government yeah, trying to do things. Motown music industry, right? Mm. You you have all of these examples, right? And I'm not saying things were rosy, obviously not. But what I'm saying is that, despite what the government was trying to do, people found ways around it. Mm. And so, yeah, the government threw some money at people. And they took it, but that's that's not the end all be all. You can change culture or let it change you. Mm -hmm. And so you can move forward and say, maybe this isn't everything. Maybe the whole idea that government welfare programs changes everything and there's nothing anybody can ever do about it. People come out of poverty all the time. People come out of welfare all the time. A lot of it is choice. A lot of it is what's normal. It's what they grew around. Their grandma was on welfare, mom's on welfare, I'm on welfare. This is how you got to do it. I've talked to teachers. I, I was actually talking to a teacher months, uh, a month ago. He said where, where he was teaching at, the kids would tell you how many kids they needed to have to have X amount of dollars. They knew that to a T. What, the kids knew that? The kids knew that, that he like was what, teaching. What, what kind of age are you talking? We're talking about early teens. Jesus Early teens, they knew that if I have two babies, I'll get X amount of dollars from the government, then I'll be able to get these cars. They knew that. Why? Because that was that's their environment. That's their culture that they're around. That's normal to them. That's insane. And see, for, for someone like yourself, you're like, no. Like, obviously, yeah, that's that may be true, but you'll make way more money working a little bit harder. Well, yeah. <laughs> right. Why? Because that's normal to you, right? That's a... That's a more broader, normal worldview. For them, this is their worldview. This is what they grew up around. That is the, ch that is the shift in culture that I'm talking about. So I guess what I'm ultimately getting at is Kanye's not wrong, but he's not fully correct. Mm -hmm. He's telling part of the story. That part shifted the culture, but people have choices and people can change the culture. And so what I'm trying to do is change the culture, which is why oftentimes i don't say black people i say black culture because you can change culture and people can change yeah and i don't think it's just i don't think it's just like like race specific either like no. i said it's like there is like and, and when you say culture you mean this sort of like as well there's like this attitude there's just like no you don't need no man or mm -hmm. like people could be fine by themselves like again it's not even gender specific like people are like oh yeah single fathers they could raise a kid by themselves and like like it's 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 with this idea that autonomy and individuality which is fantastic in many aspects but mm -hmm. the, this the idea that this is the be all and end all and like i was listening to uh just pearly things there there was a clip come up on youtube i clicked it and they were talking about like the the rate of people who become especially women who are like 
unhappy when they're over 40 single and childless mm-hmm. and and the a like like pearl was like bringing up stats like actual facts and figures like really good polling and and they had like a they were just like oh well, I, I don't believe that and and they were like oh you know you can be happy with like your friends and like when you get to 65 you retire you've no kids no like partner um you know, they were like, oh, you know, you can still have your friends and still have, like maybe nieces, nephews, brothers, sisters mm-hmm. and stuff. And like, I often wonder, is just like, has any, have you not felt the joy of feeling like totally connected to someone? <laughs> yeah. No, but like, really? Because like, yeah. you know, I, like I, I don't have a girlfriend at the minute, but I still remember like the, the <laughs> way back when, <laughs> like the, the, but like the absolute like happiness that can come from like, from, from that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and like, I don't get how people can try and deny that like humans can like are like quite often, like much happier in pairs or groups rather than just as individuals. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think there's a difference between moments of happiness and feeling fulfilled. Well, yeah. Yeah. And I think what Pearlie's talking about is a sense of fulfillment. Like you ask them, most mothers, obviously there are bad mothers out there, but most mothers will say having ch- having a children was the best thing that ever happened to them. It was very fulfilling to do to raise a child, right? It made them happy. And then to watch them grow up and then for them to have grandkids, mm. you know, to take care of their kids. This is a fulfilling aspect of, um, of human nature. Um, like it's literally, it's literally the function of DNA to right. want to replicate. Like it is in our, like, it's literally in us down to the most microscopic code that has created the entirety of life is the desire to recreate itself. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. And I, I think this is one of those areas where feminism is uh, ruining our society. When you have, actually, I'll, I'll go as far as saying, I think feminism hates women. Because they tell them to be everything but women. Mm. They say, in order for you to have success, you have to be like those men, compete mm. with men, right? But being feminine, that's weak. Now imagine if some dude said that, <laughs> you know, you well, gotta be would, like would, me if you want to be good. Be sexist. It would be sexist, yeah. right? And that's why I think feminism, feminism doesn't like women. It doesn't like anything natural about women. It literally wants them to become uh, flawed men, mm. you know, imperfect men. Like it just, and they're not happy being that way. So I started seeing things as what's natural, what's not natural. You know, for me, I struggle with feeling masculine and feeling like uh, like other men because, mm. you know, I go and say growing up without my father. But I think there's something about when I finally just said, what feels natural? Mm. And I throughout my life, I just started doing things that felt natural. For example, um, how I how I disciplined my son. I, this is controversial to say sometimes, but at one point when my son was young, I would spank him every so often, but then I didn't like it. Mm. I didn't like spanking him. And I felt like, what is this accomplishing? And then one day I just said, I'm not going to spank him anymore. And so I just started talking to him. I'd raise my voice Mm. or I tell him what I want to do, but I just 
stopped putting my hands on him. I just started communicating more with him. I haven't touched my son since. Mm. Right? And, and I, I don't even remember how old he was, like four maybe, maybe younger than that. I just stopped doing it. But then when I really look back at it, and this is just my belief, I was mimicking the, be- the behavior of my mom. My mom, who is a woman who is generally weaker mm. and doesn't know how to moderate the behavior of, of the children like, like a man can, mm. right? We do it differently. And so she's going to use force because it's quick and it's, it's you know, loud and it's strong. But is it right? Is that the way you discipline kids mm. or your own kids? Or do you communicate with them in a particular way? Or maybe if you are someone who's a proponent of spanking, you use that extremely rare mm. in rare cases. And I've seen parents who go from zero to a hundred and just start hitting their kids. Mm. And that bothers me. That bothers me a lot. And so I, I think that there are things, uh, to get back into what I was originally saying, there are things that are natural and I think for a lot of men, when it comes to disciplining their kids, what feels natural isn't to discipline their kids like a single mom would. Yeah. I remember, I can't actually ever remember being hit with it, but the threat of the wooden spoon was always there. And listen, I'm good with threats. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't actually ever remember it being used. Right. The threat was in... <laughs> Right. Like whenever she started threatening that, you knew it was time to stop fucking with mom. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Like what what prompted this like do what feels natural thing? Was there anything that like you, know, you heard or read or anything or like something someone said? Uh, I think there were small moments in my adulthood where I just started doing certain things. It was natural, but I think when you fail so many times, you start to analyze, or at least I, I would hope most people would start analyzing themselves. So you know. I was I was just analyzing myself and seeing like what am I doing right, what am I doing wrong, um, but I really took hold of it in the last three four years I would say where I just started doing things that felt natural and and trusting my instincts that was that was a huge thing. I'll, I'll say this: the, the biggest transformation was doing things that are natural, trusting my instincts, and being one hundred percent accountable. Those three things shifted my my life and my perspective on things Mm. and and it did nothing but improve my life i feel more confident i feel more secure about everything that i'm doing Um, and i feel like i'm doing the right thing because it feels natural like i don't feel like i'm forcing myself to be something that i'm not Um, and that's why i feel like there is something special about a man being a masculine figure and how we define masculine i don't think is like how a lot of people define it it's not the big brute who wants to, you know, tear everything down. Mm. It's someone, like you said, it's the monster that is tamed, right? And if someone harms someone that I love, the monster comes out. Mm. That's the appropriate time. Yeah. And, and I think there, we need to have more reserved men, more emotionally reserved men. And that will just, that will change society, all, you know, all over the place it would change society it'd make the men more attractive to women mm. i'll tell you that yeah nothing more attractive than than a man who's just confident with himself and he's not trying to do things to impress he's he's just trying to be secure with himself and 
I think there are a lot of men who have struggled with that. I think that's why Jordan Peterson is so popular. It's because there are a lot of men who have a crisis of feeling like a man. Mm. And I went through that. Uh, I've, I've stated, I didn't feel like I was a man until about five years ago. Like, I, okay, I'm a man. Wait, what did you, sorry? I'm 38. You're 38. So until you're 33, and that's yeah. when you really started to feel like it. Yeah. I would say that's, yeah, I'd say that, that that's probably pretty accurate for a lot of people. Or a yeah. lot of men, at least any, like, I was talking about this with someone else recently. I was like, until maybe a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. I don't think I could have even defined what a man should be or a ma like what being a man would mean or like, because that conversation was never had with me. Mm -hmm. It was like, there's toxic masculinity, <laughs> right? And then there is... Yeah, and it's like it's hilarious that you say that, that that feminists hate women and they're trying to make the women more like men yeah. because at the same time we're being told that like <laughs> we shouldn't have like the men shouldn't have any masculine traits and that we should be more like the women which is really funny like the paradox there is like why don't we just stick to what we're good at yeah <laughs> um and it's what you said about about like analyzing yourself, I think, is is something a lot of people could could learn a lot from. Because like, yeah, until I started sitting down, I mean, like when I I mean analyze, I don't mean like just sit on the bus and oh, I did something wrong. I mean like actually sit down and like like I, I find that the the best way to get loose thoughts is to write uh, like think about it and like really write it down, like like a version mm -hmm. a version of like the self authoring or the future authoring program, you know that 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 um, Pearson runs. Um, and like really write about because that that i find the best way to think through things in in a lot of times and really write about it and then you can reflect on where you've been and really articulate where you want to go and i find that to be have been the most the most useful thing to me at least in figuring myself out but do you know what was funny when you said the analyzing thing the first thing that i was i said i was like no it's not my fault it's capitalism <laughs> <laughs> but like that's like maybe this is it maybe people are so uh, like that they're unwilling to analyze themselves and therefore it's capitalism or it's imperialism or it's the patriarchy or it's um you know the fascists in government or like you know yeah like maybe that's it maybe if we all just analyzed ourselves we'd stop blaming these massive overarching structures that we have no hope of changing yeah i mean i see it like this i i used to know someone who would make complaints about the opposite sex uh she would say like um she talking about the, the boyfriends that didn't work out and all this other stuff. And I used to think to myself, yeah, but there's a common denominator. <laughs> like it's you. <laughs> so maybe, listen, maybe you're a great person, but you have a terrible picker, mm. right? But that's you who are picking these guys. So maybe it's not men are all men. Since you had seven bad relationships, now all men are terrible. Or maybe you just pick terrible men. There are terrible men out there. There's terrible women out there, and okay. you're picking them. And and so yeah, sometimes you have to be introspective. Um, I've I've been introspective sometimes unhealthily because you know suffering from depression, you pick at yourself and you overanalyze yourself, and you look at your flaws. But if you do it in a healthy way, then you kind of figure out all right well these are my flaws so this is what i need to change mm -hmm. or be aware like all right when this happens i get like this um 
like I remember in, in relationships, I would get clingy. Mm. And I was like, and then a girl would run and I'd be like, oh, I did that thing. Yeah. I need to stop doing that. And so I just became more aware that I was being clingy. And I just stopped doing that. Um, when I was, see, when you become the man that a lot of women say that they want, yeah, you know, buy the flowers, take them out somewhere nice, they reject you. <laughs> you know, so I was doing stuff like that. Mm. And then, like, I was like, how come it's not working? So mm. then I started looking at myself, like, why isn't it working? Then I started asking female friends, why is this working? They're like, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> like, why? Oh, it puts a lot of pressure on her. Mm. And I was like, oh, I didn't even think about that. You know, so otherwise, I would just keep doing the same thing and hoping that girls like it. And I had to be introspective. And just even ask myself the question, like, am I doing something wrong or be curious enough to ask other people like, hey, I'm doing X, Y and Z. I'm thinking it's supposed to be right, but I'm getting a negative outcome. What's going on? And you tell me like, oh, yeah, that's that's not the right thing to do. Like all these steps means that you have some humility. And I think what we're, we're hearing from is a lot of young people who lack humility, who think that they know the world right who go to college for four years and come out as these scholars who know everything about society who could pick apart everything um you know even for myself like i'm 38 i don't think i know everything i think i have a good grasp on a lot of things mm -hmm. but the, I, I would never be egotistical enough to be like i know everything or if someone points out something that's actually wrong that i said that i'm just going to reject it so i can be right mm -hmm. you know like oh okay i didn't know that thanks for telling me People, people send me DMs and, you know, send me stuff and like fill in the blanks for me. And I'm like, oh, that's something I, I didn't even think about. That's life. Life is about learning. And we have so many people who think that this is where I'm at and that's, that's it. They, I'm willing to change. And they're stuck there. And then they're wondering why am I getting these negative outcomes? Because you're, you're not humble enough to change. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I find at least in in like past relationships that failed and I've looked at a lot of things about it. And I used to be that guy who would like be like, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. And like, like looking at, I used to look at it like flaws that I had rather than ways that like I could improve basically. Mm -hmm. Like now I'm on a track where I'm like, right. Okay. I want that kind of girl, etc. Once we have actually had in the past and like things have like not worked out and gone, right. I have to be, like at a level to be capable or not even capable or maybe worthy is not the right word, but like to be like their equal or to right. be the, the person that, that they will be with. And like, it's, it's about like, and I've accepted that fucking challenge. Like it's great. It's like, what a fucking challenge to accept. It's like, are you prepared to become the person that you want to be? Mm -hmm. like, let's let let to, to fucking use Jordan Peterson's language, like that's a fucking call to action and adventure, isn't it? Yeah. Like that's that's a purpose that like people could take. And it's it's incredibly empowering. Like I've I think it is. never felt more energized to go out and achieve things once I got that message into my head. It's the reason I still do this fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But um, unfortunately, Adam, we're going to have to wrap this up because you have an Airbnb to get to. Yes. Um, so to finish up, uh, what 
you've given some amazing advice to a lot of people but what what uh, is there any other advice you'd like to give to any young men or women out there who are who are listening uh young men uh become a better man um what i mean by that is when you when you increase your skill sets when you become someone who's more secure with themselves confidence when you focus on yourself the women will come and i think a lot of men including myself when i was younger would try to chase women and try to convince them right even being the friend and hopefully one day she sees their mm. value in me right never be that guy we've all been there haven't we, we? we've all been mm. there um it, it's a disappointing and depressing life to <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it to yourself. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like I, I don't want to talk about your boyfriend anymore. <laughs> um, but just date me. Yeah, just date me. Yeah. I'll treat you like a queen. Um, no, but when you when you improve yourself and you focus on yourself, the women will come. You know, and I, I told my son that you you become better, you improve yourself, and the women will come. But you start chasing women as a man, you start deviating from your purpose. And women actually want you to focus on your purpose. They want a better man. Mm. They don't want you to lay under them, right? They may say, oh, come here. I don't go to work today. No. My wife does that to me sometimes. I got to get away for work. And she's like, get back in bed. I'm like, no. <laughs> sometimes that's hard to resist. Yeah. <laughs> but I say no every time. And then, and, and she, you know, she acts like she doesn't like it, You're but more willpower than me, man. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of willpower, but she, she respects it. And that, see, that's the thing for a man, you want your woman to respect you, but in order for her to respect you, you have to follow yourself. Like you have to lead yourself. You can't let her lead you, right? She doesn't want to lead you. She wants you to lead everybody else. She wants you to lead the family because ultimately if you're talking about someone I'm not talking about hoes and people who just want to have sex. I'm talking about a secure relationship with someone that you love and that you may actually have children with. She wants you to be the leader. She wants you to be the man that her children can look up to, right? This is, I, you're talking about DNA. This is one of those things that I think is built within us and it's built into women to choose the better option, right? To choose the guy who is going to be better than her at so many things that she's going to be so impressed and she's going to respect that man mm. right be that person for women um mate selection is extremely important right because the consequence is that you get pregnant mm. and evolution is on you ladies right and in the way our society is built they're okay with you just taking the kid and running off and the dude never shows up again right so mate selection is extremely important I'm a proponent of marry before you carry. I know I didn't live that, but that was before I, you know, I repeated what I grew up with, but I'm trying to tell everybody and my son knows what to do. Right. And that's how you stop the cycle, but marry before you carry. Right. Or at the very least talk to men who are related to you about the men that you're picking. Don't go to your guy friends. Cause we, we were the guy friends and we're trying to have sex with you mm. at some point um go to your father go to your uncle mm. go to your cousin they're not trying to have sex with you so they're more likely to be honest with you 
about um, how you're presenting yourself. What, what do guys actually like? Is this guy a good guy? Yeah. Is he full of it? Yeah. Have men can see right. other men's motives far right. better than women, I think, sometimes. Oh, he's just a nice guy. No, you don't see that. Like, this... Oh, no. We, we have to talk about this. <laughs> so, that, that would be... Those are, like, two big advice... Uh, pieces of advice I would give to young men. Become a better man. Chase your purpose, and the woman will follow. You don't have to chase women. For women, listen to men who have no motive to have sex with you. And they will help to guide you into a successful relationship as well. Don't listen to your girlfriend so much because, believe it or not, they're trying to compete with you. Um, and they're going to say things to save their reputation, right? Because women care about their reputation. So they don't want to hurt your feelings because that could be negative on their reputation. So they're going to pacify you. They're going to say, no, you're great, you're beautiful, everything's wonderful about you. And they're not going to tell you the truth. The guys who are related to you who love you and care about you and care about your your outcome can see past the bs that men put out mm. and they will tell you that you're getting with a guy who is not good for you whatsoever you're getting with a guy who's lying about stuff his story doesn't add up and you're in rosy vision you don't see it so listen to those guys and you'll have success well that's some great advice to finish on so adam thanks very much uh, links for adam's twitter and uh wrong speak publishing will be in the links are in the description below. Thanks very much, man. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for making it right the way to the end of the podcast. I love that you tuned in this long. Do me a favor, hit subscribe, because 80% of you bastards are not subscribing, but you're watching my videos. See you next time.